Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Find hidden clues and uncover a murder mystery. Solve mind-teasing mysteries of the Roaring Twenties. Engage your sense of observation to find hidden clues. Search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris and uncover a collection of dazzling hidden object spectacles for you to solve. We're all here because we love true crime, right? Well, this game has the perfect twists and turns to keep your brain asking, what happened here? There's nothing I love more than getting to decorate my very own luxurious state island. The best part? You can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Black Girl Gone Afterthoughts. I, of course, am your host, Amara, and I am here with my husband and my co-host, Jason. What's going on, y'all? So uh, this is our first Afterthoughts of the year, 2024. Welcome back. Um, This episode was an episode that I felt like was a good episode to start off the year of, you know, the first afterthoughts with because of the details of this case, um, you know, how old it is, the fact that it's unsolved. And it's a case that um, is just, it's it's devastating. And so I kind of wanted to talk through this um, and talk about some of the details and, you know, what I think and, you know, how I feel about this case. Just, you know. And of course, I'm pretty sure everybody is... Uh, was waiting to hear from you. Um, and uh, this case is a case that, uh, like you said, uh, no real conclusion. No. And um, in the world of, you know, DNA and different things that, you know, we have now technology-wise that they did not have so many years ago, mm-hmm. uh, like you always say, uh, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about it. This is the pride family case, uh, pride family murder, um, and trigger warning, this does involve young children. Mm-hmm. Um, so just keep that in mind. Uh, give me a, uh, just a rundown of what this case was about. Well, yeah. So, um, this case is, if you listen to the episode, you know, this is a really, was a really tough case. Like Jason said, trigger warning, this is involving the, um, murders of two very young, uh, little girls. And it's a case that, has not uh, gotten a lot of attention. I had never really heard of this case. I had, it, until I um, decided to do this for the episode, I, I came across it kind of randomly, but I had never heard of this case. And so it's one of those stories that hasn't gotten a lot of attention from um, you know the true crime community or um, you know shows and things like that. And you know, I think that people who lived in that area knew about this case if you're old enough to remember, but it just hasn't gotten that attention. And so um, that's one of the reasons why I really wanted to bring this case before our audience. So for those of you who listened to the story, you know that it was about um, 24-year-old Valerie Pride and her two daughters, eight-year-old Shantia and uh, Duena, who was four years old. At the time, they were living in Phoenix, Arizona. This is in 1982. And um, 
Valerie was working at a nuclear plant as an electrician, finishing up an apprenticeship. She had just moved into a brand new home that had just been built in um, a really nice neighborhood in Phoenix. Uh, she had met a man at work and they had decided to move in together, a man named Ben. Uh, but on September 6th of 1982, it was Labor Day weekend, uh, Ben's daughter tragically uh, ended up dying from an epileptic seizure um, and drowning in the tub, and, and she ended up dying. But uh, before, at some point after Ben left that home, um, uh, someone knocked on the door of, of their home. And when he came home at about 10 p.m., he found Valerie... Shantia and Duena had all been brutally stabbed to death. When police arrived, um, you know, they found evidence of a bloody handprint on a fence. Um, they talked to neighbors. They, you know, searched, um, you know, for any additional evidence. But, you know, it was 1982. And so the way that evidence was dealt with and the type of technology that was available to them was very limited. Uh, a year after the murders, however, uh, an arrest was made. There had been rumors that the death of Ben's daughter had something to do with the murder of Valerie and her two daughters. And then um, a year later, uh, a family member of uh, Ben's daughter, a 14-year-old, was arrested. And police said that he had something to do with these murders, and they were also seeking two other people. But 24 hours after he was arrested— he was let go, um, and no charges were ever brought. And 40 years later, 40-plus years later, the uh, case remains unsolved. Um, so that's kind of the the breakdown of of the case and what, what we are dealing with. Okay. Um, now, uh, some of you might be new to this uh, show, so uh, the next very next part that we usually like to talk about is some of the interesting things in this case, some of the, you know, maybe quirks and, and things that um, you might not have heard on an episode. And um, so always defer to uh, Amara for that. So we're going to go right into that part and just talk about um, some interesting things. What do you think, what do you find interesting about this particular case? Um, well, I think just the nature of the, the, the murder itself is very... Um, it's it's one of those things that you don't really see that often for a mother and and a and two of her children to break, to be brutally murdered in that way um, is a is a very high indication that this was a personal crime that yeah. that, that this is not a random murder. Uh, if that you know the, the police were able to rule out that this was not a robbery, there was nothing missing from the house, and and robbers don't tend to murder three people during robberies. Their their incentive is to get in and to get out, yeah, and get it's not that people get don't get um, killed during robberies. That right. it happens uh, if if the robber is confronted by someone, but to murder um, a, a mother and two of her children, and then stabbing also is also a very personal type of of murder to to stab someone multiple times. So that in and of itself raises a lot of questions about who who did this to Valerie and her daughters. And I think police theorized that this was someone close to her, someone that knew her. Um, that would be the reason why the children would have been victims because they would have been old enough to identify whoever had come into the house, whoever had knocked on the door that that evening. So um, you know, it, it it begs the question who was in 
or around Valerie's life that would have wanted her and her children dead. Um, and so I think that there are, you know, looking at just some of the comments and things that people are saying, I think that people have um, different theories about the people that were in and around her life and how how they may have been involved or not involved. Right. But, you know, it's just, um, it's one of those things that I think is the most, is, it stands out the most out of all of the, out, out of this crime is just the simple nature, the brutality, and the the victims involved. And it's kind of reminiscent of the uh, the Curia family that we did a few, um, a couple of months ago of um, they, Jane and her daughters, Isabella and Annabelle, right. who were beaten to death inside their home. Um, and, it, you know, these are personal Yeah, it crimes. has to be. These are people who knew them, you know what I mean? Um, this is, you know, and so, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's crazy to think that there are people out there that will do this, but clearly there are. Yeah, and I mean, um, I think that I, first of all, I just totally ag- agree with, you know, um, that part of, the, of of it being personal. I mean, we live in Philly. Like, let's keep it real. People get shot all the time. Mm-hmm. It's crime all the time. You hear it on the news. You hear all the bad stuff. Mm-hmm. But I don't think in all my years of living in Philly, I've ever heard of, like, something like this. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And, you know, happened, but, yeah. I, I, you know, even recently, I've, I've never heard of just, like, something this personal, like, with a whole family. So... Yeah, um, it's it's not something that you see very often. And when you do see it, like I said, n- nine times out of ten, it is uh someone close to the to the victims. It's it's just that's it's just that type of, of crime. So um yeah, that that for me definitely is um it it's it sticks out the the most, I would say. Okay. Sure. Um yeah. let's go let's uh keep going. Uh what else do you have as far as interesting? Uh anything that sticks out as interesting in this case, what else you got? So I, I think it's interesting that there were these rumors about the connection between the death of Ben's daughter and what happened to Valerie and her children. Now, from what I could gather, you know, I'm just piecing it together from articles and, and, and news clippings, is that th- when when this information first came out, the, the police weren't really too sure what that meant because it didn't really make sense that the um, accidental death of this child would have had something to do with the brutal murders of three other people. It didn't seem like there, the, the motives could connect. Right. right. Um, but something triggered those rumors. And then for a year later for someone to for so for someone who was connected to Ben's daughter and you know her family to then be arrested and then police are like well we are theorizing that this may be um a retribution for the death of Ben's daughter it's it's very interesting because the, the other thing is that's hard to understand is why police had come to this conclusion there's no um information about how they jumped from, you know, basically confirming the autopsy of the little girl that said that this was an epileptic seizure, that this was an accidental death, to then a year later jumping to making an arrest. And then within 24 hours of that arrest, basically being like, eh, we really don't have enough evidence to proceed with charging this person. And obviously they didn't have any evidence to charge anyone else because no one else was ever arrested. Okay. So it's 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 
you know, like I said, it, it goes back to where those rumors for me originated and then what else they found that made them jump to that conclusion a year later. I don't know. Now, there's a possibility that, um, you know, I've seen people make comments about um, whether or not this may have been a woman involved. Maybe this was um, the type of situation where, you know, someone lashed out because of the loss of the little girl and and reacted because, you know, you know, you're not going to live this life with, you know, him and, right. and, 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 and my Scott, life. Yeah. Right, right, right. But right, the, 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 the evidence of that, I don't know, is there because my assumption is that the mother of this child would have been at the hospital with her child and we don't have any evidence to say anything else. Right. So if our assumption is that the mother is at the hospital with her child, which is what we these are assumptions because we don't know. But my assumption is that if my child have, had an epileptic seizure and she's in the hospital, then that's where I am. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't see how she, there's no evidence that she left the hospital. I mean, and this was a bloody crime, jumping over a fence with a bloody hammer. And this is a lot to do in the midst of your grief about your child while she's still in laying in a, in a hospital room, right? So you take all that into account. Then you would have to say, well, maybe she got someone else to do it. Maybe she was like, well, I want you to go over there and do this. Not that it's not impossible that there's there's a there's a type of evil that exists that would just go over there and do that. But who would? You know what yeah. I mean? Like you're asking someone to go over there and murder a four-year-old. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the the, the 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 you know what I mean like it's, like I said it's not that it's impossible because anything is possible you know what I mean but these are all of the conclusions that you would have to piece together or create answers for in order to get back to this being somehow connected to what happened to Ben's daughter yeah and I don't see based on, like I said based on what is publicly available I can't make that even assumption because there's nothing, there's not enough information to even draw a conclusion around that, you know? Yeah, I can understand. Well, you know, like, like always in these cases and, and, you know, the, the YouTube comments have just increased, increased. Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course we thank everybody for, um, you know, their input just about the case and uh, commenting, but, these are theories, mm -hmm. and of course, we don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's why we have these conversations. But um, uh, we'll talk about even more of the comments, you know, yeah. as we do always in these episodes towards the end of the show. But um, let's um, let's keep going. If do you have anything else you want to add to this part? You know, as far as interesting parts of this case. Well, I think that the fact that there was um, DNA left behind, that there was that there was a bloody fingerprint left behind you know usually in a in a um in a murder like this there there's always the possibility that the perpetrator especially when you're dealing with like stabbings that they also end up cutting themselves and leaving behind their own dna and True. the police have said that they have evidence that they collected from the scene that they were able to enter into a national database so that it can be tested amongst other you know dna that comes into the system and so i think that right now you know there is a possibility that it can be solved there's this there's 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 some evidence that exists that you know um that they can link to someone even if it's through you know 
fam, fam, you know, what do they call it? I don't know, familial DNA or yeah. whatever. Like, you know, like they can link it to someone. And and 40 years is a very long time, but. So let me know. ask you a question mm-hmm. to interject. So you, do you feel like, just personally, and this is me asking you, do you feel like that they're not paying attention to this? Because recently we saw in the news where, where different men have been exonerated from crimes using DNA. DNA. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's com- it's coming out left and right that these, you know, these these men didn't do, you know, what what people said they did. So do you think maybe they're just not paying enough attention to I mean, this they, case? Yeah, I mean, they're probably not. I mean, after 40 years, um, you know, you make an assumption that a lot of the detectives that originally worked the case probably are retired, you know what I mean? And so getting um people to to continue to care about it at a certain level, you know, is hard. Yeah. And I think that, you know, they're probably not focusing on trying to figure out, um, you know, this case in, in real time. I don't, like I said, I don't know uh, about, you know, Phoenix PD's, you know, cold case unit or if this is one of the cases that they, you know, come back to. I don't know. I would hope so because I think, like I said, after 40 years, it, it doesn't matter. The person who is responsible for this um, needs to be, you know, identified. And, you know, Valerie still has family out there. There's still people that, you know, cared about her and her children that need that closure to know what happened to her and her children and why. Yeah. So, you know, no matter how much time is going by, it's like, you know, it's a story that it just continues to need you know, attention. And yeah. it hasn't gotten, like I said, it hasn't gotten a lot of attention. I was actually very surprised about how much information I was actually able to find about the case because it's not one of those um, cases that has been featured on a lot of true crime shows. Usually, if it's one of those type of cases, there's a whole bunch of evidence, you know, tons of articles. Um, but this wasn't that type of case. However, uh, there was enough information out there and a, and a lot of information actually to put it back to, out to there. put it yeah to put yeah. it to put the case together enough to um you know tell you what happened to Valerie and and her daughters so yeah yeah well of course what we always say is the one thing people don't want you to do is talk about it yeah you know? exactly <laughs> they yeah. don't want you they, you know so that's why this of course is these parts yeah, are important because they and, don't want you to say nothing about and, it and you know part of using this platform is to continue to bring up these stories. I know that sometimes, um, you know, people, you know, like I said in the beginning of the episode, don't, you know, think that this these cases are going to be solved. And, you know, I've even, you know, seen people write in comments before, like, oh, well, you know, this is this is old. This is never going to be, you know what I mean? And it's like, well, that's not true. It's not and, true at all. <clears throat> and just because it's old doesn't mean that it shouldn't be talked about, especially if someone is... As we're talking about an unsolved murder, we yeah. know that the conclusion is that these people are are dead. We know that that's the that's the conclusion. But the person who did it, the people you know, or who has never been identified, and those things are important to the victims of the family. And somebody, so yeah, somebody's still hurting. And somebody, Trust yeah, me. exactly. So to act like, oh, well, this doesn't matter, and this is not important, yeah. and it's just, it's it's not it's not true. And so we will always continue to, you know, highlight these kinds of stories while we highlight stories that are more recent um, because it, it doesn't matter. And if it was someone who you loved, if it was your mother or your sister or, you know, someone you cared about, you would want someone to continue to to talk about what happened to them and, and help to, to, to get justice for you and your family. So. Yeah. 
Definitely. Uh, anything else? I'll go to questions and things like that. Um, you got no, anything else? I think that's really it. I just, yeah, no, I think that's it. I think I cover the most, the things that I really wanted to um, talk about. I'll just, uh, we'll go to the questions and see what people had to say. Questions, comments. Okay. Well, you know, sometimes I put a uh, black girl going listeners' questions first. I'm going to ask my question first. I had a, I had a question. In... Uh, any of your research, did you see anything that maybe pointed to anybody that she worked with or, you know, any other family members or, you know, infidelity? I know there was something like you saying like, and it's all confusing because, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you do this research. Um, there was an issue in, in the episode. You said there was an issue in Ben's past mm-hmm. that affected his relationship with Valerie, mm-hmm. he was always trying to assure Valerie that he was handling it, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I know from different situations, um, not this situation, mm-hmm. but <laughs> not our situation, but a lot of times when men say they're handling it, mm-hmm. <laughs> they definitely not handling it. <laughs> whatever, whatever it is they're supposed to be handling it, you know, they're like, go ahead, I, I got it, or I'm going mm-hmm. to... Uh, you know, a lot of the times, yeah. sometimes they're not handling it. So, yeah, I mean, I thought that was a very, you know, interesting thing that her 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 family member had said, her sister had said. I, I don't know. Um, so there was no there was no additional information about anyone at her job. Um, we only know about the relationship her between her ex husband, who she had been high school sweethearts with, um, but there was no information about their divorce or whether it was, um, you know, you know, a, 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 a what's the word, uh, you know, a bad divorce or, you know, if it was a, you know, whatever. But we do know that, you know, she met Ben. I don't know the exact timeline between her divorce and meeting Ben. Um, but there's, like I said, there's no information or indication that anyone, you know, had any real ill will towards her, you know what I mean? Um, and especially enough to to do what ultimately happened. Um, in terms of the whole part about Ben and his past, I like I said, I thought that was a very interesting thing because we don't know exactly what that means. She doesn't really go into details, at least in in the interview with the news, about what that meant and what those problems were. But whatever they were, she said they affected her relationship, you know, Valerie's relationship with Ben. So she, so, so they never said it was an, another like female. Well, no, like she that, never said it was another woman. She just man. said he had issues from his past. Now I didn't know if that meant, you know, legal issues. Like, was he? Did he used to be, you know, in the streets, oh, oh, or okay. was it like baby mama drama? They okay. didn't say. You know, she just said it was issues, and he said that he was handling it. Right. And like I said in the episode, whatever it was, it clearly. Um, had not, you know, been enough for Valerie at the time to say, well, I'm not going to deal with him. She They bought a house together, so they were right. continuing their relationship. Um, and so maybe she did think that he really was handling it. I don't I don't know. Um, but the, you know, one of the other things I think that, um, uh, and I should have brought this up, I guess, when we were talking about the interesting It's things. okay. This is your show. We can but go let's back. go back a little <laughs> whatever, bit. Um, whatever you want to do. Because one of the things that I I forgot to mention was the the break-in that had happened okay. in, in early, or in, in August prior to the murders, when someone 
um, broke into their home, slashed the waterbed, and then put Valerie's clothes in the water. Now, um, people in the comments, which I think this was confirming for them that this might have been a woman involved, said that this is something a woman would do. I mean, brothers um, do petty stuff too. Men do petty stuff uh-huh. too. Men can be very petty. I hate to be. I'm not. A, I'm not bashing the brothers. You know, I'm just no, saying. No, just... no, no, no. We it's the equal opportunity podcast. Like <laughs> right. anybody can be petty. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and so yes, it could have been a man. But I think that yes, when people hear that, their automatic assumption is this right. is something that a woman would do: slashing tires. You know what I mean? Slashing a waterbed. Throwing the woman's clothes in the waterbed as opposed to everyone's clothes or the man's clothes or anything, right. you know what I mean? So it makes it does seem like the anger was focused on Valerie. Right. And then it does make you think that this may have been an ex of Ben's who was angry that he was moving on with, um, you know, the, buying a house. You know, sometimes that does elicit jealousy in people. You yeah, know what I mean? Does. Like, you moving on with your life. You done found this woman. Now you over here playing house with her and her two kids. Y'all done bought a brand new house in this really nice neighborhood. She got a really good job. She about to make good money. She's Even if to, it's a clean break. Yeah, she's an electrician. Yeah. She about to make good money. Like, you're you're on the, you know, on the on the up. And so, yes, could that elicit jealousy in, a, in, a, in an ex? Oh, very much so. Very much so. Um... And so yes, I think, you know, that and and I and I loop that back around to, to talk about you know you're talking about his his past. I mean that's I think that's why there are people who may think that this did have something to do with um, someone in Ben's past. Okay, you know those that comment that statement from her sister, coupled with the break in with you know the slashed waterbed and and the clothes in the bed. And then ultimately, weeks later, the brutal murder of this woman and her children, uh, you know, people without having anything else to go on can piece it together. And and I can see how they can draw, you know, that conclusion. So So I'm going to go to, um, this is not a question, but it's a comment. And this is what I said, because I was asking about, you know, Jealousy at the job. I don't mm-hmm. know. You, you you can't you can't rule out anything, and no, that's why we have this no, conversation. No. We're not com- having these conversations from the point like we know who did anything. That's we don't. We never want to no. put that you know out there. Um, but we we just want to continue the conversation so you know people know maybe what options are there and you know maybe what happened. We don't know. Mm-hmm. But somebody said what I said. I believe that if she was about to break the barrier by joining the skilled trades, that someone at the job didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And was watching for the man to leave. Mm-hmm. She opened the door because she recognized the person. I believe mm-hmm. she, um, I'd be surprised if that was even investigated. Yeah. So that might have mm. been something that's never even been looked at. Yeah, that's true. Our, um, yeah, I mean, YouTube, like. like- uh, gumshoes. Yeah, like you said, I mean, I think when it comes to a case like this, there are endless possibilities. I think sometimes even when it comes to investigations, police get um, sometimes tunnel vision on a theory or a suspect and it doesn't allow them to see other possibilities. And it really makes me think about, um, I don't know if you guys watched that uh, the documentary that just came out on Netflix, American Monster, about the about the woman who was um, kidnapped with her uh, her boyfriend. They were at home and they kidnapped him and they had this whole story and the police didn't believe her. And then when she got released, they thought that she was lying about her kidnapping. Um, and it just, you know, I, I bring that up because it, it shows you how sometimes um, 
it can be just something that you don't think is even possible. You know what I mean? That the police didn't think that the story that they were telling them about the kidnapping was even even plausible because it, it did it did sound far fetched. And so, is there a possibility that what happened with Valerie and her daughters is just something that police just couldn't imagine would be the reason, or um, is something that they would deem? Uh, petty or not enough of a motive? Could that still, you know, th- yeah, that could be very, very possible. Um, and when you're dealing with a case that is unsolved, the the possibilities of what this could be are, are endless. And yeah, and people are going to talk, you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's no pointing fingers at any one person because we really don't know a lot of the people that are involved in this situation. But it's hard not to speculate um, motives and suspects when, you know, it's been 40 plus years and no one has been uh, caught. Yeah. Um, I have another comment. Um, and this is, this is very different from all the other comments I've seen on, on YouTube. Uh, she writes, my thoughts are very different than most of the comments I've seen. I question that due to them being in a new neighborhood, if someone didn't like the integration, um, and watched and waited for the opportunity to attack her and her children while the man was away from the house. So mm-hmm. basically saying that somebody could have just been watching them. Maybe just somebody and maybe didn't mm-hmm. like that they was in, you their know, moving na- on up. Mm-hmm. And um, moving into their neighborhood. Um that that could always be a possibility. Yeah, that's also a very interesting theory. Um yeah, I mean it it could have very much well very well have been someone who didn't want them to move into the neighborhood. And that's why, you know, they were able to just, you know, hop over a back fence and go back into their, their home, leaving, losing the trail. I don't know. I, yeah, that's, that's, that's interesting though, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think, like I said, with this case, it's just so many ways in which the, um, this case could, could go. There are so many possibilities. It, it seems like, oh yeah, this may be very obvious, but maybe one of the reasons why it, is unsolved is because it's not very obvious. The the motive, the suspects, none of that is obvious. And that's why um that's why we're still talking about an unsolved murder after all these years. So uh yeah. Uh this one is a hard one, but um like I said, it's a comment, so I wanna I wanna read it and see just because this is some something somebody else put out there. Um, it says, Ben brother called her to let her know what had happened, and it was Ben who knocked on the door. Mm. Um, they got into an argument because he lost his daughter, and he lost it and killed them and staged the scene to appear like someone else did it. Yikes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, anything <laughs> is possible. How I don't think that... Um, and this is this is all going to have to do with the uh, what we don't know about the investigation. But the fact that Ben was never named a suspect um, by police, I think that he, I, I think that based on what we know about the crime scene, um, it was a very brutal and bloody crime scene. I think that if he had been able to clean himself up in that very short amount of time. Um, that that the police would have figured that out. Right. I think his uh, reaction was probably genuine. You know what I mean? The na- neighbors came over um, and ended up calling the police. He didn't end up calling police, according to reports, because he was just, you know, hysterical. 
Um, and and so I think that, you know, taking those things into consideration, what we do know, it doesn't seem like um, Ben was a viable suspect for police based on what we know. Um, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that they would have gone and talked to the hospital and say what time he left, you know, what time did he leave the hospital, um, in terms of timeline of between how long it was taking him to get home. These, th- you know, and like I said, because of the, because of the, of the kind of murder, like if, if this had just been maybe a different kind of murder, you would say, well, maybe police didn't put that much effort into it. And maybe they didn't in this case, you know what I mean? But when you're talking about uh, two children at being murdered and and police themselves saying that this was, you know, one of the worst crime scenes that they had ever encountered, you would hope that that would stick with them enough that they would have actually put, put some effort in. yeah. into trying to figure out who would do something so so brutal. So I say all that to say, Obviously, we don't know. But based on what we do know, it doesn't seem like Ben was a viable suspect and that he was genuinely, um, you know, he was at the hospital. He came home and and found this scene. That's that's what we know. So Yeah. So, I mean, you got two separate—you got a lot of separate, you know, people that is involved in this. You think that they would have had enough yeah. going on, that they would have interviewed people— you know, sat with them and got, yeah. you know, maybe came and, up with and some they, conclusion. And they said that they, you know, I saw an article where the police were talking about it. Um, and they said that they had interviewed over a thousand people from, wow. yeah, from, you know, all over the United States. I mean, so, you know, like I said, they put this, they put this out there and make it, make you seem like they really have been trying, or at least they were at a point. Okay. But around 2012, which is one of the last kind of you know, it's been in the on, in the local news. They've interviewed her family in recent years. But in 2012, um, one of the detectives on the case basically said, like, we, we have come to the end of our kind of rope with the case. And you know, we, we have nothing else. At this point, we really need someone to come forward and say something. You know what I mean? Um, but, you know, I think that they have exhausted their leads and their tips and— this is one of those cases where someone is going to have to say something. something. There's someone who knows who murdered Valerie and her children, and they, you know, they can put an end to this this case. But yeah. Um. Anything else before we wrap up? No. Um. Yeah. No. I don't have anything else. I think that, uh, like we've just been saying all episode all afterthoughts this is a this is a hard case because of of what happened to Valerie and and Shantia and Duena but it's definitely a case that we should continue to um to talk about and you know add to the list of of women and girls who we you know think about when we think about these kinds of stories these unsolved murders these stories that need attention this is one of those stories and like i said i will continue to tell stories that even if they're, you know, 40 years old, like the story happened before I was born, you know right. what I mean? But it doesn't matter because it, it th- these were, this was a family, you know, these these women should be in their 40s, Shantia and Duena. They could have, you know, families and children of their own. Someone stole all of that from them yeah. and, and we don't know why. And and the people that have been left behind by this tragedy do deserve that. They It's not even just about the public's deserve. Her family and the people who loved her and cared about her and her children deserve to know what happened. And so... Um, yeah, so that's the you know why we bring this afterthoughts to you because just wanted to continue the conversation. It's why this was an important afterthoughts to do because 
you know. Well, like always, we want to thank you for always sharing um, your perspective, your your opinion. Um, to everybody that commented, uh, shared, we always appreciate you guys commenting, uh, telling what you think, uh, your perspective, uh, relating to the stories. You know, a lot of times, you know, I don't know who's uh, listening to this, but uh, from Phoenix, Arizona, you know, uh, just knowing where things happen at. And uh, we just appreciate you guys for uh, continuing to support uh, Black Girl Gone. Um, this episode is available. The visuals are available on YouTube. If you want to uh, watch the visuals, that's something that uh, Amar has been doing lately. And, um, well, you know, Amar, any closing words? Um, no, that's it. Yeah, said it all. All right. See y'all next time. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.